Bean Dad, The Dress, 30 to 50 Feral Hogs. If you knew what any of those were, you spend too much time online. And hey, I do too. 16th Minute of Fame is a new weekly podcast hosted by me, Jamie Loftus. And every week we take a closer look at an internet character of the day. Who are they? What made them so notorious? How did the internet or the algorithm choose them? And what does a person do when they're suddenly confronted with more attention than the human psyche can handle? Listen to 16th Minute of Fame on the iHeartRadio app, Apple Podcasts, or wherever you get your podcasts. The Big Take from Bloomberg News brings you what's shaping the world's economies with the smartest and best-informed business reporters around the world. We cover the stories behind what's moving money in markets and help you understand what's happening, what it means, and why it matters every afternoon. I'm Sarah Holder. I'm Saleya Mosin. And I'm David Gura. Listen to The Big Take on the iHeartRadio app, Apple Podcasts, or wherever you get your podcasts. I'm Saleya Mosin, and I've covered economic policy for years and reported on how it impacts people across the United States. In 2016, I saw how voters were leaning towards Trump and how so many Americans felt misunderstood by Washington. So I started The Big Take D.C., We dig into how money, politics, and power shape government and the consequences for voters. With new episodes every Thursday, you can listen to The Big Take DC on the iHeartRadio app, Apple Podcasts, or wherever you get your podcasts. Cool Zone Media. Ah, welcome back to It Could Happen Here, a podcast that is now happening here. I, I... I could have done something with ear, but we'll do that next time. Just forget that I said that. And welcome Mia to the program. Mia, how are you doing today? Not bad, not bad. I'm I'm excited to be here. Yeah, yeah. We're going to be talking about a subject that's near and dear to all of our hearts, uh, by which I mean the Roman Empire, uh, with a guest who is near and dear to our hearts, Mike Duncan. Mike, how are you doing? Hello. Thank you for having me. It is wonderful to have you. Uh, Mike, you're a podcaster. You are kind of like the history podcaster, as far as a lot of folks are concerned, including uh, uh, me. Um, (laughs) And you also, you've had some interesting interactions online with people as regards the Roman Empire recently. Yeah, well, anytime the Roman Empire shows up on the (laughs) cultural radar, I am tagged into it by roughly 10,000 people. Yeah, and then I come in and I do my bits or or, if you know, if if something comes through, you know, it gets shared at me, you know, not shared with me, but shared at me. And yeah. then um, and then I take a look at it and I get aggravated and then, you know, fire off a few salvos and retreat um, back out of the social media ecosystem, which is kind of the strategy these days. Yeah. Yeah, we we all have to like fight like an insurgent uh, when it comes to that sort of thing, because the the alternative is to just get constantly stuck in this escalating world of beefs with strangers yeah. on the Internet who are making money off of the beef. Yeah, but if but yeah, but there's there are certain things that will get me to come out of yeah. my little hibernation, um, which I think we're about to talk about. Yeah. Yeah. Mia, yeah. do you want to do you want to take it away? Yeah. So one of the things that's been happening recently is that. So on October 25th, the Republicans finally, after an enormous amount of time, finally managed to elect a Speaker of the House. And they picked this fairly unknown rep named Mike Johnson, who's this guy from Louisiana. And they picked him effectively because nobody knew who he was. Yeah. 
And so they pick this guy and they're like, okay. And Mike Johnson gets elected and immediately everyone starts trying to figure out who this guy is. And they very quickly realize this guy is just a absolute incredible Christian fundamentalist weirdo. He, he doesn't have a bank account. Yeah. Which is like wild. Oh, that's, that's classic fundamentalism, too. That's it's, some of that old school stuff. <laughs> yeah. Love to see it. It's really stunning. I mean, he he's really sort of like he's like he's 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 really a blast from the past with the Christian fundamentalists. Mm-hmm. I mean, he 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 was a lawyer that represented like a bunch of young earth creationist museums. He's he's really going into that old school stuff. And one of the other things that some people dug up is a a podcast interview where he is talking about how gay people caused the fall of Rome. So, Mike Duncan, I, I want to ask you the question that I think all of our listeners are wondering. Can we as queer people take responsibility? Can we take any credit for the fall of Rome or are we stealing Visigoth valor if we do that? Uh, you're you're stealing valor here. Um, <laughs> no. but, I, but I do but I do I do uh, agree that several of the gays in my life are like, don't take this from us. It's one of our proudest accomplishments. <laughs> that we brought down the Roman Empire. Um <laughs> And I was like, but unfortunately, it's just it's not the case. It's not even close to the case. It's, you know, you could you could draw random words out of a hat um, and produce a sentence that was literally nonsensical. And that would be a better read of the end of the Roman Empire than saying gay people or homosexuality, like Mm -hmm. because it's all wrapped up in this sort of like it was decadence that caused the fall of the Roman Empire. They were too like. Uh, you know, they were just too licentious and they just throw up some some vocabulary words. Um, and it just it just doesn't land at all. Um, it doesn't land on the specifics. It doesn't land on the general. It doesn't land chronologically. It doesn't land in any way, shape or form. It's just something they've decided is true and repeat to each other. And that's the yeah. whole that's the long and short of it. Yeah. Yeah. I think there's some interesting stuff there, too, of like the stuff people talk about when they when they like. I remember I was reading someone like writing about this and they started talking about Nero and I was like, do you know, like in what century the Roman Empire like collapsed? Right. Like, what? why are you talking about Nero? I, I don't know. It, it seems like the, there's this real. I don't know. It, it seems like, you know, the, the the fall of Rome is one of these things that's become central to a lot of very weird right wing politics. I, mean, I remember like a few years ago, the big thing was the, like the Rome was caught. Co- the, the fall of Rome was caused by immigration. Yeah, which and that's also very current is, as well. Yeah. Yeah. And so I, I don't know. What what is it about like Rome that these people the fall of Rome these people are like so drawn to in a way that causes them not to think about what actually happened at all? I mean Well, I, I mean j- just to go back a second, it's like um Rome in general in their heads is not a sort of uh, temporally dependent series of events that unfolded over a thousand years. It's just this kind of like one eternal place um, that's like a pastiche in their yeah. mind. So like Nero can exist alongside Attila, can exist alongside, you know, Scipio Africanus and and all of these people and events like just sort of are, are near each other in time, the same way that they believe that like, you know, dinosaurs and humans cohabitated the earth. Yeah. Like it, it's that kind of same thing. And so if they think about somebody like Caligula or Nero um, running this, like the, running these courts of decadence, like it doesn't click to them that this is like in the first century and that the Roman empire doesn't fall for 400 years, 500 years. And then the East keeps going for another yeah. thousand years. That's a huge part of it. It is interesting to me. You 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 kind of made the statement there about in these guys' heads, Rome being this kind of 
eternal like continuing thing and that's interesting to me because it that that conception of rome goes back so far i mean very famously like when russia became like an organized political entity there was this widespread attitude that it was the third rome right mm -hmm. like it, yep. that still plays into a lot of russian imperial politics to this day so it is it is kind of fascinating how far that idea goes back like it it says something about the success of roman propaganda that it it still has this place in so many people's minds yeah and i mean it has a place in my mind um sure. i don't yeah. I, I don't think, I think about that it daily the, yeah <laughs> so do i um so do many of us and i i don't think that the crime here is uh thinking about the fall of the roman empire no. um or the trend or as you know we would more properly call it the transition from late antiquity to the early medieval period which is you know unfolded and that didn't have a cataclysm and you shouldn't necessarily be thought of as um as an inherently negative thing etc cetera, etc cetera, etc cetera. um yeah. but organizing your worldview around a, a utterly historically illiterate um version of the roman empire that is really just a vehicle for your own special bigotry mm -hmm. um that's where they're really running afoul of me and my temper yeah and there's uh, there's a lot that's really interesting about how they sort of choose to interpret like the causes of the fall um i think probably the least the least sensible uh, argument they have is this idea that it had something to do with like degeneracy um both yeah, because exactly. like you, you can find romans in like the 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 middle republic period saying the same thing that like we've become too degenerate too lazy um because of like all of the you know slaves automating you know the the ruling classes tasks people have uh you know romans are not like the romans of our forefathers and stuff anymore and like you know the the empire continue or the republic and then the empire still had centuries in the tank at that yeah point. very very famously the romans started complaining about how it's not like the good old days uh round about the second century bc <laughs> yes. which is like 300 years before they hit what we all acknowledge to be the yeah. peak of roman civilization uh, yeah. and this is like this is when cato the elder gets into it and the, the big yeah. thing that those guys were griping about at the time and there are there are little you know little connections here just doesn't none of it shapes up is that what cato the elder and people like him were complaining about way back in the second century was this is when the romans come in contact with the greeks and yeah. there was there was a kind of like a, a a split between traditional Latin Romanness and then this like new Eastern uh, Greaseness, which like they've got new ideas and like they sounds like they have sex with each other all the yeah. time. You know, they don't care if they're men or women. Um, and so th that's what they were pushing back against. And so that kind of language does. Th this is where it kind of distills over the centuries and then over the millennia into this idea that the Roman Empire collapsed and, and was ruined by this kind of degeneracy without re being able to really define what degeneracy means or how it could possibly impact the long-term health of a, of a large empire, um, yeah. you know, or the fact that very bluntly, right, when you're saying this in, in 186 BC, you can't say that contact with Greek ideas brought the Roman Empire down. <laughs> yeah. You just can't because it just didn't get crushed by this it didn't yeah. fall apart yeah 
I mean, my when I, if I have to make an argument as to like what thing that I can connect to modernity killed the modern empire, uh, I tend to claim that it's the concept of a reboot, right? Because no sooner did, did Augustus uh, have Virgil reboot the story of the Trojan War than the inevitable path to the collapse of the Roman Empire began, right? The, the, real, the real sign that we're heading towards collapse is all these movie reboots. Mm-hmm. Okay, great. Mm-hmm. That Well, the, the, the rule is... Whatever your modern preoccupation is, yeah. that's what you use to explain the fall of the Roman Empire. So, of course, I have my preoccupations, and that's what I say mm-hmm. caused the fall of the Roman Empire, um, which is that the Roman Empire, in fact, never fell, and we're all living in a hologram. Uh, <laughs> <laughs> and we know, and we know this because if a woman visits me and brings me and brings me groceries, and she's wearing a, a Jesus fish necklace, it can pop into my mm. brain and I can know that we're um, living in. We're still world. we're still in the Roman Empire. Yeah. The empire never ended, folks. Yeah. Yeah. Every politician is still Cato. <laughs> yeah. <laughs> I mean, look, they you could also tell this because, you know, it's like in 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 the same way that everything tastes like chicken, they they haven't invented a new moral panic in 2000 years. So, pretty clearly we're just we're just we're just recycling through exactly the same content over I mean, and over again. It it does all of the the kind of similarities you can find, or at least seeming similarities you can find between stuff that that different Roman politicians were complaining about, you know, two thousand years ago, and stuff that's in our media today, I think does suggest part of why it's almost impossible to not keep bringing Rome up, which is that, like, th- there are, and and I think that it's a mix of like there are some legitimate similarities between our cultures and also our concept of Rome, which is often ahistorical, but is based on generations of misconceptions, makes it seem even closer. Yeah, and we are a post-Roman society. Um, And they are our forebears, whether we like it or not. Like any civilization that exists today that went through the Mediterranean world, um, Mm -hmm. you know, it had a Roman period and the Romans made a strong imprint on all of us in terms of like our laws and how we think about money and how we think about family relationships. Like all of these things are, you know, we're living in a post-Roman world and that's why it's important to, to study the Roman empire as an entity, but do it with some degree of rigor uh, rather than just using it as a prop in the culture wars. Yeah. That was a great. That was a great point I just made, and so yeah, devastating. No, that was. And it absolutely <laughs> brought the conversation to a complete standstill as everybody just chewed on this nugget of wisdom that I have brought to the table. <laughs> Bean Dad, the dress, thirty to fifty feral hogs. If you knew what any of those were, you spend too much time online. And hey, I do too. 16th Minute of Fame is a new weekly podcast hosted by me, Jamie Loftus, where every week I take a closer look at an internet character of the day. Who were they? What made them so notorious? Why did the internet choose them? And what does a person do when they're suddenly confronted with more attention than the human psyche can handle? I'll be talking to internet historians, experts, and yes, the main characters themselves to get a fuller picture. Because I think that even outside individual experiences, a character of the day tells us something about how the internet worked at that time and how the attention economy developed into the freaky three-headed dragon it is today. Together, we probably won't be able to properly log out, but we can take a walk down scary internet memory lane and see one day a little more clearly. Listen to 16th Minute of Fame on the iHeartRadio app, 
Apple Podcasts, or wherever you get your podcasts. The Big Take from Bloomberg News brings you what's shaping the world's economies with the smartest and best-informed business reporters around the world. Western nations like the U.S. and Europe. Mexico will likely have its first female president. And then you have China. And help you understand what's happening, what it means, and why it matters. He'll get his yo-yos to Europe in time. But the longer this drags on, the more worry he's getting. They knew that they needed to do this as fast as they possibly could to get a drug on the market as fast as they could. I'm David Gura. I'm Sarah Holder. I'm Saleya Mosin. We cover the stories behind what's moving money and markets. Basically, everyone was expecting, if not a calamity, certainly a recession. But the problem is that that paperwork, as our reporting showed, is fake. As someone who's covering the market, I'm often very worried about an imminent collapse. I'm thinking about it quite often. Listen to The Big Take on the iHeartRadio app, Apple Podcasts, or wherever you get your podcasts. I am the ferryman. In the shadows of the afterlife, the ferryman of souls guides America's most influential spirits to their eternal rest. Where are you taking me? Are you death? This road is not on any map. How much for a ticket? All I ask for in payment is a tale. I don't know who got to Kennedy first. And the devastation those first bombs caused. I've never been to hell, but I know intimately the hymns of the damned. All 12 episodes of The Passage are available now. Listen on the iHeartRadio app, Apple Podcasts, or wherever you listen to podcasts. I do kind of think it behooves people, part of why it's valuable to do things like listen to the Revolutions podcast by Mike Duncan, um, is right. that you're, this Rome isn't going to stop being brought up by these people in increasingly unhinged and inaccurate ways. And it's it's just like it's helpful to have an actual understanding of who the Spartans were and what they did and did not do for the sake of these arguments. It's helpful to have yeah. a meaningful understanding of, of the Roman Empire. And I'm kind of wondering, like, when you when you come into misconceptions about Rome, what are some of like the top ones on your list that uh that that your brain just forces you to go in and correct? Well, I mean, this is a big one that, mm-hmm. because this one I feel like is deeply homophobic and principally used to attack the queer community rather than anything else. Mm-hmm. Um, and is, and just to give your listeners like some specifics here, it's like, you know, sexuality in the Roman world was very different than it was today. Yeah. And there weren't even, you know, the kind of binary conceptions of gender sexual relations that we have today. A lot of these things are very modern inventions. I'm sure a lot of people know this, um, but we can also point very specifically to like, uh, you know, Hadrian, who is mm-hmm. broadly considered and cited to be one of the greatest of the emperors who lived at the height of the golden age, was gay. Like that's yeah. like that's a full stop thing. And so it's just like there's no compatibility between these two ideas or really any way. If you if you ask them to take this argument more than 25 words deep, they're not going to have a way to explain how it is that somebody engaged in gay sex in the 400s could have possibly been the reason why the goths won a certain battle or why attila the hun was able to do what he did um all of it is just complete and utter ahistorical nonsense and so i consider it i consider it my duty as some kind of 
voice of authority on Roman history to not let people get away with this. Um, the last the last time I saw this pop up was actually uh, uh, Ben Carson, which yeah. is a little bit of a blast from the past <laughs> sure. at this point. But um, he 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 wrote a book at one point where he dropped this stuff in there. And and the way they always couch it, too, is like, as we all know, you know, it was homosexuality that really led to the degeneracy of the and like, oh, I'm so sick of you people. Um, but the other, the other big one that really grinds my gears that uh, really emerged, this, this was not a preconception that I had going into doing the history of Rome, but something that I came away, um, from after doing it and studying, you know, the year by year history of the empire is that this notion that like sort of the Romans were this, uh, like, like a, like a, like a nationality that then went forth and conquered the Mediterranean that Romans were Romans as like an ethnic stock thing. And that it was when these other ethnicities started sort of pressing at the empire's borders, or as we said a little bit earlier, that it was immigration, right. That destroys the Roman empire, that there was this kind of like pure noble Roman thing. that is essentially functioning as uh, the white person in the ancient world. Like this is how we're connecting these things. The British did this, the French did this, Americans now do this today that like the Romans are our stand in as sort of the white people and the white people are civilized and all of these other like mongrel races are, um, are uncivilized and they were either civilized by the Romans or they were killed by the Romans or enslaved by the Romans. But this is all for the good because the Romans themselves were, um, were like this, were this, this superior stock of DNA somehow. And really, when you go through the empire, the the the, the history of um, the Roman Empire, you find that there is that kind of conservative strain inside of like the patrician class and inside of the senatorial class that they're like, we want this to be a closely held thing. Like the original Republic was a closely held oligarchy of Latin families who lived on the Palatine Hill. And that's what they wanted for themselves. And so when other people tried to push into the Republic, they tried to resist it. Um, and so that is a running conflict that happens in in Roman history. But any time that that tendency is overcome and, an, uh, and a second prevailing force that says, like, actually, Romanness is just an idea. Romanness is just a set of uh, beliefs and practices and, and sort of daily habits of life and ideology that can really be held by anybody at any time. And if we let in, say, non-Roman Italians, which is the first people who were considered non-Roman who then came into the empire, which then we look back and we're like, there was a time that Romans didn't think that people from what is today like Florence or Milan were not Italian or not Roman. Yeah, yeah, yeah. they were not considered Roman mm -hmm. until, you know, the very late stages of the Republic. I mean, I wrote a book about the later stage of the Republic and the social war is when this gets wrapped up. Yeah. Um, after hundreds of years of being treated as second class citizens, there was a civil war that nearly destroyed the Republic before Caesar even came along that was resolved by giving citizenship to the Italians, making them full members of the polity, and then having that just be a boon to Rome's fortunes. This yeah. happens in Gaul. This happens in Spain. This happens in Illyria. This happens in the Far East. Um, that these people who the Romans encounter, and yes, do conquer because it's a very violent world of, of conquest and mutual conquest, that Romans in Gaul were as much Romans as Romans in Rome. And anytime I find Roman leaders resisting that idea, I find the empire starting to falter. 
and and commit missteps. And anytime they're like, nah, let's just throw it open. You know, if, if you're good, if you're dedicated, if you're loyal, you can be a part of this project that we have. Then I find the Romans doing very, very well. And I'm I'm about to start not to just monologue here, but I'm about to start working on another book that is about the crisis of the third century. And by this time, we have emperors who are coming from North Africa. We have uh, emperors who are tagged as being Arabian. Uh, we have the the set of emperors who really help Rome emerge from this thing that is called the crisis of the third century when the, the empire very nearly collapsed in the mid 200s is a bunch of guys from Illyria, which is today the Balkans. I mean, we're talking about guys who are coming from like Serbia and Croatia or the emperors who are continuing the Roman legacy and keeping the empire intact. So this notion that like Rome wasn't a multicultural empire or that the arrival of new peoples was somehow bad for them um, is just disproven over and over and over again by the realities of Roman history. So that's the other one. It's this immigration caused yeah. the fall of the Roman empire. is just flat out incorrect. One of, yeah. the, one of the arguments that I've heard sort of against that, and I, I want to ask how true this is, but one of the things that I hear people sort of responding to this with is this argument that like part of what causes like the sack of Rome is that the Romans get into one of these xenophobic streaks and they don't want to sort of try to absorb yeah. the Visigoths. Okay. Yep. So that, that, that is. That's, that's a, that's essentially my position. Yeah. Yeah. I was just going to bring up um, a guy who, a historian uh, who has to come up anytime you talk about the way the right likes to use the image of Rome, uh, particularly the collapse of Rome, Victor Davis Hansen. Um, yeah. yeah. Um, he is, he is a guy you're going, I mean, he was, he's my dad's favorite historian. I come yep. from a very conservative family and he wrote a book not all that long ago. No, actually it was 2010. Sorry. That's still like five years ago to me, but it's not five years ago. <laughs> it's much further away. Um, called why did Rome fall and why does it matter now? And I, there's a quote I found from a, a little article he wrote plugging it, uh, that I, I, I want to bring up here so we can chew over. In short, what ruined Rome in the West? Lots of things, but clearly the pernicious effects of affluence and laxity warped Roman sensibility and created a culture of entitlement that was not justified by revenues or the creation of actual commensurate wealth and the resulting debits, <laughs> inflation, debased currency, and gradual state <laughs> impoverishment bullshit. gave the far more vulnerable Western Empire far less margin when the barbarians arrived. It's all bullshit. It's I know, bullshit. it's nonsense. It's, it's, it's so fucking trash. It's so, it's so frustrating because... <laughs> This culture of dependence that can I swear on this podcast? Oh, yeah, absolutely yeah. for this sure. Fucking these motherfuckers. Um, <laughs> the this entitle this entitlement thing that they have because they don't like welfare because they're pricks, you know. Um, and you mm -hmm. know, Victor Davis Hanson, you know, this is a guy who wrote a book called like Mexifornia, which is like, oh my god, uh, yeah, absolutely. This is where it comes from in the nineties, where he's like, he's like, California is going to be destroyed by all these Hispanic people. Like, it's just loathsome shit that he writes. Um, anyway, uh, this culture of entitlement, right? Like, oh, it was just bread and circuses. And like the empire had to give all this money to like how many like, OK, great. The Roman Rome, the city was like a million people. Yeah. Right. And there were a couple of large urban hubs that mm -hmm. did have like grain doles because yeah. you needed to be able to feed the people in these cities. And this is, you know, smart policy by the emperors. It's actually not bad on a humanitarian level. Yeah. Um, and then they also threw games because this is what people do. Rich people throw parties to make themselves love. Like this is a very mm -hmm. this happens today. This happens all the time. This happened during the medieval period. It happens all the time. Um, 
the number of people who are like benefiting from this like imperial largesse who have this like entitlement mentality is such a fraction, such a fraction of the total number of people who live in this empire where we're talking yeah. about 60, 65 million people, maybe, maybe give or take a little bit. Not that many people were on the dole in Rome. Uh, it was usually just the male head of the household mm -hmm. got some grain. It was like it was um, it was a little bit of supplemental. In it's basically the equivalent of like supplemental income. It was yeah. absolutely not just they're rolling out uh, 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 banquets for these people every single day. Nor is it the case that that entitlement of Romans living in Rome in the 200s A.D. or something is like the reason why they couldn't sustain their border defenses, right? This yeah. is the, this is the same arguments we get when it's like, uh, you know, we can't afford social security because the, you know, the national endowment for the sciences paid somebody $250,000 to, um, uh, to look into the, you know, beekeeping habits. Yeah. Uh, the, like it's like people just don't have a, a, a way to compare a million dollars to a billion dollars to a trillion dollars because it's just a lot of money in our heads so yeah. like this none of none of that is true none of that yeah. is true it, it's um it's it's fascinating to me especially when you hear like uh this is like really popular amongst the joe rogan set this idea that like oh you know when an empire is at the end that's when you get all the bread and circuses to distract people and so Man, when the empire, like the Roman Empire, the entire period during which it was expanding like wildfire was doing nothing but throwing giant fucking parties in the cap. That's all they did. Like, that's all they did. You couldn't be did. in politics without going broke throwing parties. Like that yep. was the, that's why a lot of the conquest happened is because you yes. have to throw these parties when you were earlier up on the, on the Cursus yep. Honorum, and then you would have to like go conquer someplace to pay for it. Yep. And that was why actually when you get right down to it, you know, one of my, you know, uh, little side opinions is that if you were a provincial inside of these conquests, uh, you know, conquered lands, uh, life was much better under the empire than it was mm -hmm. under the Republic because there actually was some, uh, tightening and normalization of the bureaucratic yeah. regime under the empire. Like after Augustus comes along rather than what was going on in the Republic, which is every single year, a province was getting a new governor who was there to extract as much money for himself as possible because he had taken out tons and tons of loans to throw the biggest games that he possibly yeah. could to build yeah. the biggest act, to build the biggest thing. Now, when you get into the later empire, like are their financial difficulties, of course, right? You don't get the kind of monument building and even aqueduct building yeah. and infrastructure projects you get in the later empire. But like there are larger economic and structural reasons why they were suffering financial difficulties at the end of the empire that have nothing to do with these couple of grain doles that were going to a few major urban areas. Most of the population is rural subsistent peasants. Like those yes. people were not feeling entitled to shit. Which, which I think is really funny because if you look at like, I, I am very confident if you actually did the math, the U.S. spends more money on agricultural subsidies every year than like than the Romans did like on the entire grain dole. I mean, there's almost yeah, I mean, no way that's the math not is, true. Like, yeah, yeah. <laughs> like we I mean, in part, not just like because who knows what the Romans would have done with a higher level of technology it just wasn't possible to do that kind of thing outside of the major urban hubs. Like you can't but I also like, you yeah. can't you couldn't yeah. do it. That's the thing. Yeah, um, this is the same thing where you get into like when people like to slip in the whole like, oh, there was lead in the in the in the pipes. Mm -hmm. um, 
and like there was lead in the pipes and, you know, maybe some of the leadership was a bit over lead exposed, like who knows, like maybe, 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 but like the vast majority of the population is not living in downtown Rome where this might be a problem or in, you know, one of the other, you know, regional capitals. That's just not where any of this is taking place. Well, people love to talk about stuff like that. It is like, you know, the fact that they're one of their major sweeteners included a lot of lettuce is always like interesting to bring up. But the thing that I mean, and and this was this is also pure speculation, but that I always wonder more about not just with Rome, but with like most postmodern societies and even like early modern societies is like, what about like mild head injuries? Because we know so much more now about how a bunch of little head injuries can permanently mm-hmm. alter your behavior. And like, <laughs> like that's the big thing when I, I think about when I think about like the World War One generation is you've got millions of men who wind up becoming very influential in politics who are under artillery barrages and who are, there's almost no way they're not walking away with some kind of CTE based on what we know yeah. now about what being near artillery does to your brain. You know, what yeah, does that well, do? To, the, yeah. The, the ancient world was full of trauma. Yeah. Yeah. Um, of course. And that's, and that's a real thing. All of these guys were deeply, deeply traumatized. Um, but like one of the other points about the, the whole like bread dole thing is this gets back to, this is sneaky backdoor racism because yeah. the argument, the argument is that Rome was great when it was the Romans doing it. Like these actual like Latins who were coming from the environs of Rome in particular, and that it all started to go bad once non-Romans were in charge of things because the Romans themselves had had decayed into this like, oh, well, we just want our bread and circuses and we're not going to join the legions. We'll just have Germans do our fighting for us or Goths do our fighting for us, um, which that is that is simply sneaky backdoor racism because it's a way of saying that it was the reason why the Roman Empire was successful was because of this small population group. And once they go away, other groups, these mongrel races um, will never be able to uh, live up to or sustain civilization in the way that Romans did, the pure Romans did. Um, And so that's also a big reason why we need to push back on these things is because the Roman Empire was not just sustained, but thrived and expanded by people who were not Romans. And the idea that, um, you know, their civilization required this like little tiny speck of a DNA spark to keep it going is just, you know, this this is the kind of person who finishes writing that book and then immediately turns their attention to modern California politics and says the big problem here is Hispanics. Yeah. Which is also not true, by the way, in no, case I need to clear no, that up. No. Yeah. The, the, the big problem with California politics is California politicians. Right. It's not Latinos. <laughs> it's, you know? it's certainly not Latinos. Bean Dad, The Dress, 30 to 50 feral hogs. If you knew what any of those were, you spend too much time online. And hey, I do too. 16th Minute of Fame is a new weekly podcast hosted by me, Jamie Loftus, where every week I take a closer look at an internet character of the day. Who were they? What made them so notorious? Why did the internet choose them? And what does a person do when they're suddenly confronted with more attention than the human psyche can handle? I'll be talking to internet historians, experts, and yes, the main characters themselves to get a fuller picture. Because I think that even outside individual experiences, a character of the day tells us something about how the internet worked at that time and how the attention economy developed into the freaky three-headed dragon it is today. Together, we probably won't be able to properly log out, but we can take a walk down scary internet memory lane and see one day a little more clearly. 
Listen to 16th Minute of Fame on the iHeartRadio app, Apple Podcasts, or wherever you get your podcasts. The Big Take from Bloomberg News brings you what's shaping the world's economies with the smartest and best-informed business reporters around the world. Western nations like the U.S. and Europe. Mexico will likely have its first female president. And then you have China. And help you understand what's happening, what it means, and why it matters. He'll get his yo-yos to Europe in time. But the longer this drags on, the more worry he's getting. They knew that they needed to do this as fast as they possibly could to get a drug on the market as fast as they could. I'm David Gura. I'm Sarah Holder. I'm Saleya Mosin. We cover the stories behind what's moving money and markets. Basically, everyone was expecting, if not a calamity, certainly a recession. But the problem is that that paperwork, as our reporting showed, is fake. As someone who's covering the market, I'm often very worried about an imminent collapse. I'm thinking about it quite often. Listen to The Big Take on the iHeartRadio app, Apple Podcasts, or wherever you get your podcasts. I am the ferryman. In the shadows of the afterlife, the ferryman of souls guides America's most influential spirits to their eternal rest. Where are you taking me? Are you death? This road is not on any map. How much for a ticket? All I ask for in payment is a tale. I don't know who got to Kennedy first. And the devastation those first bombs caused. I've never been to hell, but I know intimately the hymns of the damned. All 12 episodes of The Passage are available now. Listen on the iHeartRadio app, Apple Podcasts, or wherever you listen to podcasts. You know, I want to just kind of circle back around to the sort of degeneracy stuff, because I, th- I think there's an interesting through line there, too, with with not just sort of modern politics, but the politics of the period of the original rise of fascism. Because, you know, you look at these arguments and they're like, well, OK, it was like cultural decadence. And then they start talking about degeneracy and how homosexuality was this like degenerate thing that brought down the empire. And like you go back and you like read the Nazis and they are also absolutely obsessed with like you know with this notion of like degenerate art and like cultural mm-hmm. degeneracy is this force that's this internal force of subverting the yes. empire and you know and and like this is also i think another like reason to be reason to be interested in a better way about rome was also the way that like the original italian fascists are I mean, like the word fascism is like derived, you know, like from from Roman symbol symbols. Right. And like, you know, this is like Mussolini's entire thing is about turning the Mediterranean into the Roman lake, blah, 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 blah. So the the fascist is great not to get, you know, not to derail your point. Keep talking. Just going to cut that line out of the podcast. (laughs) Mike Duncan says fascism is great. The fascist is great. It's a great symbol. Go, go. Like a lot of people don't actually even notice this. Maybe they do at this point. This is no longer a fun fact. But you go, you go to the link. No, well, I mean, not just Congress, but go to Lincoln Memorial. Look at the Lincoln Memorial. What are his hands resting on? It's a couple of fascists. It just is. Mm -hmm. Because you know what? A bundle of sticks is stronger together. And that is a symbol of solidarity. And it is a symbol of group action being superior to individual attempts to do anything and that the one the one bow is going to break, but all of them together is good. Like none of this is like inherently bad. It's just a bunch of um, fascists claimed it took for the, their own. Yeah, well, and my, my memory of this 
is that I'm pretty sure there, there was a group of people who were like calling themselves fascists, like in in early like late 1800s, early 1900s Italy, who weren't fascists, who were like so like basically left wingers, and then not and then like well, sorry, not the Nazis. Well, I don't know that. if you know this, but Nazis are actually socialists; they're national socialists, <laughs> and and so a lot of people think that they're right wing, but actually they're left wing, and that that that's what it is. Hitler yeah. was um was this an is, Oberlin grad. This is where we cue my 30 minute digression about stressorism. <laughs> oh God. <laughs> but um, I think to you, I, th- I think to the point that you were trying to make or, or that you were making there though, is that they were, you know, the Nazis did. And then we hear this repeated today that like the degeneracy is like a thing that is a force, like a physical force that can maybe even be measured. And if you don't have enough of it, or if you have too much of it, then your society is going to start to break apart or decay. Like, it's just an idea. That's it. It's just sort of a way of thinking about something or a way of describing something. It's not actually a really real thing that is out there in the world. Like, if you have a society that suddenly can't grow grain uh, and you have a famine, like, that's a real thing that will actually affect your society and bring it down. If you have this other thing that is just like moral degeneracy, this is just like you listing things you don't like and saying that this is the reason why things are falling apart because degeneracy can be anything to anybody. Um, but really, you know, like people smoking cigarettes at four o'clock in the morning because they've been up all night, you know, doing drugs, like that's what kids do, what people have that people are always going to do this. This is always on the backgrounds and margins of any society. So like, and rich people, like they've always partied, they always mm-hmm. will party like those kinds of things. You can't really then say like, Oh, well there we've, we've accumulated too much degeneracy now. And yeah. our society is going to start to break apart. And this, you know, the things that we see today in terms of our own sort of um, faltering democratic Republic, this is not because of degeneracy. This isn't because the kids are doing too many drugs or like we legalize gay marriage. Like that's not, that's not why any of this is happening. It's happening for other reasons. It's happening because of greed. It's happening uh, because of uh, sociopathic indifference to other people's lives. Those are the things that actually matter, yeah. um, not whether you stayed up all night uh, drinking and partying. No, no, it's yeah, it's it's it, it's the like I, I tend to think like talking about the Latifundia is a lot more relevant to talking about like what happened to the elites under Rome and what's happened uh in our own society than than bringing up like the parties and shit like yeah, it's this exactly the centralization of wealth and power in a tinier and tinier number of men was responsible for a number of the problems that Rome encountered as it aged and they don't want to have that conversation no. so yeah. they want us to have this other conversation which flatters their bigotry mhm well, and, and this, I think, comes back to the thing you were, you know, the, the joke you're making about, like, all these, these are all the same people who are like, oh, well, the Nazis were socialists. And it's like, yeah, you know, like, a, the point of, like, these arguments is so that you don't go back into the historical record and realize yeah. how much all the things you're saying are wrong and how much they're making precisely the same arguments that, you know, the Nazis were making or that all of these sort of, like, you know, all, all, all of the sort of past people who broadly is acknowledged did a bunch of terrible stuff had the same opinions that they do mm-hmm. yeah well i i don't know i think I, that's what i've got to talk about today um <laughs> i i mean this is like uh we we could go on to to the way in which like sparta gets mem- uh remembered and stuff and in, in the cultural like right wing but i i think that's kind of moving 
sort of far afield. Although there's there's similarities, right? There's always this idea that like at this certain point when everybody looked the same, like that's when this historic empire was at their best. And when, you know, uh, degeneracy got entered into it, when immigrants got entered into it, that's when it sort of fell apart. Um, uh, I, I guess some of that's mixed in with sort of like Frank Miller as opposed to any sort of real history, but that's always the case, right? I think a lot well, of Fra- yeah, I mean, and Frank yeah. Miller's working in a tradition that is very yeah. standard, you know, the, you know, the kind of racist orientalizing, orientalizing yeah. of, um, you know, of anybody from the East, like that, that was all current. Like, you know, the Romans had those ideas. I mean, the, we get the word barb, like the word, like one of the points that I'm going to make um, probably in my book is that like, so the word barbarian just means non-Greek, like yeah. that's it because the Greeks had a, you know, a very sort of self-centered view of the world as we all do. Um, but the, that meant that the Romans are barbarians, you know, and that word is coined and we're, we're thinking about who the Romans are. Like they were the civilized ones. And then, uh, and then there are all these barbarians who are bad, but like from the Greek perspective, the Romans were as barbaric as, you know, the Scythians were, um, and you know, probably and certainly less civilized than the Persians were when the Romans when the Romans first appeared on the scene in Greece, they were like, "Who are they? These are just a bunch of guys who are obsessed with war, and they have no culture, they have no ideas of their own. They just march around in squares and kill people. Like that's that was their interpretation of of what the Romans were originally, um, which is like not a you know terrible <laughs> interpretation of, of early Roman history, um, but yeah, this just this sort of dividing between civilized peoples and barbaric peoples is something that then has been around for thousands of years and we're still doing it today like everything that we're seeing you know and i look at israel and palestine there's a lot of this mapping of civilized versus uncivilized people um onto this conflict that i see is is rooted in a lot in these sort of western traditions um that informed 19th century racist ideas about how things you know about how societies organize themselves, all of which needs to be deconstructed and thrown away. Yeah. 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 Um, Yeah. I always love it when people try to bring up like these sort of racial theories within the context of the Roman empire who had absolutely nothing that would be considered like a modern understanding of whiteness or race, like was, was completely absent. No, they they all had they all had group identity notions. Yeah, they were you know chauvinists, I mean? but of yeah, a totally ex- yeah. different era. Yeah. Exactly, right? It was there's us and then there's everybody else. Yeah. Um and you know, the the Romans differentiated a little bit between like there were Egyptians and you know, they they were kind of, you know, they were they were curious about how the how the Jews worked because the Jews yeah. were very old civilization and so the Romans kind of took special note of that and they really admired the Greeks. Um, and so there are these like sort of like groupings that they all understood, but it, it's all just sort of that very self-centered, um, you know, if you go through anthropological history of any group of people, their word for themselves is just the word for person. You know, we yeah. find this a lot and the Romans were that way too, but not, not in this way, not, not sitting down and making like hierarchies of, you know, who can, uh, you know, who can do what and who should be on top and who should be on bottom. Because, you know, if you're a, a traditional ancient chauvinist, you're like, well, my people should be on top. And that, you know, is self-explanatory. And then we will, we will fight for that, but it's not because of, yeah, these, these racial hierarchies. Yeah. Um, well, I think that's about all I had to get into Mia. You have anything else you wanted to sort of touch on today? Um, I, I think, I think, I think we've about, we think we've about covered it. Well, right, we um, got it. We've, est- yeah. we've established that it's wrong to think that gays <laughs> yeah. made the Roman Empire fall. 
no, no. Um, although you can, yeah, I. There's a million more things to say about that, um, but but yeah, I think we've we've hit on the basics, Mike. You are a podcaster. Your Revolutions podcast is one of the best things on the internet. You are also an author Thank of you. a whole bunch of books, The Storm Before the Storm, um, which is about a lot of the stuff we've been talking about today, Hero of Two Worlds, um, The History of Rome. Yeah. Uh, Mike, you have anything else you want to plug? Um, well, I am just about, as I said earlier, about to start work on a third book. Um which will be the crisis of the third century. So if anybody out there who's listening to this has been like, I wonder if Mike's ever going to write a book about the crisis of the third century. Mm -hmm. I will. And I am. Excellent. Well, thank you for being on the show, Mike. Uh, and yeah, listeners until next time, if somebody brings up the Roman empire, uh, in an attempt to attack various special interests in our modern political system, Buy a Gladius, you know? That still works the same way it did in the past. Just start swinging a Gladius. But remember, it's got a blade on both sides, so you gotta be, you gotta be careful when you swing a Gladius. Easy to Satire. <laughs> Satire. Legally Satire. not actionable. <laughs> Satire. It Could Happen Here is a production of Cool Zone Media. For more podcasts from Cool Zone Media, visit our website, coolzonemedia.com, or check us out on the iHeartRadio app, Apple Podcasts, or wherever you listen to podcasts. You can find sources for It Could Happen Here updated monthly at coolzonemedia.com slash sources. Thanks for listening. Bean Dad, The Dress, 30 to 50 Feral Hogs. If you knew what any of those were, you spend too much time online. And hey, I do too. 16th Minute of Fame is a new weekly podcast hosted by me, Jamie Loftus. And every week we take a closer look at an internet character of the day. Who are they? What made them so notorious? How did the internet or the algorithm choose them? And what does a person do when they're suddenly confronted with more attention than the human psyche can handle? Listen to 16th Minute of Fame on the iHeartRadio app, Apple Podcasts, or wherever you get your podcasts. I'm Saleya Mosin, and I've covered economic policy for years and reported on how it impacts people across the United States. In 2016, I saw how voters were leaning towards Trump and how so many Americans felt misunderstood by Washington. So I started The Big Take D.C. We dig into how money, politics and power shape government and the consequences for voters. With new episodes every Thursday, you can listen to The Big Take D.C. on the iHeartRadio app, Apple Podcasts or wherever you get your podcasts. The Big Take from Bloomberg News brings you what's shaping the world's economies with the smartest and best-informed business reporters around the world. We cover the stories behind what's moving money in markets and help you understand what's happening, what it means, and why it matters every afternoon. I'm Sarah Holder. I'm Saleya Mosin. And I'm David Gura. Listen to The Big Take on the iHeartRadio app, Apple Podcasts, or wherever you get your podcasts.